episode 180, Fragmented Healthcare Data Doesn't Work for Empowered Patients. Today, I speak with Tatiana Canzavelli, CEO of Open Health Network. American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know. Talking. Relentlessly seeking value. Most of us would fully agree that fragmented data and non-interoperable systems are the bane of our existence. Population health management, providing or buying value-based care, lean operations in general, preventing preventable heart attacks or the most terrible consequences after a stroke or other ways to save people's lives. All of these must-haves are a lot harder when you have to MacGyver generally very Byzantine and strange ways to interlock systems and data sets. But here's another problem you may or may not have fully considered. Fragmented data is a real pain in the you-know-what for patients. It makes any consumer-facing app or interface really unsatisfactory in 2018. This is probably one area where those primarily concerned about network leakage and those primarily advocating for patients are completely aligned. Today, I had the opportunity to pepper Tatiana Canzavelli with questions about how to integrate patient-facing applications. Tatiana, besides being an expert in these matters and able to answer some really hard questions with ease and grace, is also the CEO of Open Health Network. My name is Stacey Richter, and this podcast is sponsored by Aventria Health Group. Welcome to Relentless Health Value, Tatiana. Thank you for inviting me to be on your program. Glad to be here. So let's just start out right at the very beginning, because I know you have some thoughts on this. If any organization has one data silo over here and another data silo over there and the patient is working on two apps that they're supposed to use, then a couple of negative consequences happen for the patient. Number one, it's a pain in the butt. Like, why do I have to enter the same information three times and then it asks me a question I already answered or which is totally logical if you put all the pieces together. But also, you know, anytime you ask the same question three times, you're introducing the chances of data not lining up or error or just dirty data. So there's also a negative impact on outcomes from that direction. But then also, how are you going to really understand what the impact is of certain things that you're doing if outcomes or values are in one system that the other system doesn't have access to? Yeah, absolutely. There is like fundamental issues and the data overall integrated view on patient data on the back end. If you have many different apps and solutions with different data schemas on the back end, it's impossible to integrate. But I also believe that with certain scale, we can come up with algorithms that can create adaptive care plans. But if you're not creating an environment where integrated massive data sets are built in a coherent manner that they can be analyzed. We can't even train neural networks, right, that can take into consideration multiple variants, if you will, across disease, age, where you live, your lifestyle, socioeconomics, and everything else. 
yeah, they should be taking into consideration. We need to have a common way of gathering data so they can be analyzed. I spoke at a lot of CRM conferences. What fascinates me completely is that for some reasons in healthcare, we think that we will tell patient, dear patient, you don't feel good? Here's a chatbot. And you use chatbot. Or you just say, here's an app you use, or you come and see us. So in any other industry, we actually care about experiences, right? So we say, okay, if you want to chat with us, here's a chat, here's our phone number, here's an app, but we have integrated back end. So if you started with a chatbot at any point of time, you can initiate a phone call and your data will go with you. So you don't have to repeat, oh, I just actually typed it all. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but in healthcare, like, who cares? You know, we'll give you just a chat bot for this. And too bad if you don't like it. There is no app with the same back end. And that's it. I come from a different point of view. I really care about patient experiences. So... From my point of view, I think we we should give them a choice. Here's many different ways you can interact with us, whether it's voice, mobile app, phone call, in-person visit, chatbot. And by the way, we care about you and about your experiences. So we have a way of integrating data on the back end. So when you move from one channel to another one, your data goes with you so you're not getting annoyed by answering the same questions and repeating stuff, right? Yeah, for sure. And as we mumble the term consumerism and as it becomes cost-shifting, becomes a real thing, these are certain realities that people these days just expect. <laughs> right, yeah. And we see that companies, you know, who, who actually care about patients, those are the ones who will win in the long run because they will be disrupted. Yeah. And you mentioned neural networks, which is obviously how artificial intelligence learns. So if you've got data siloed all over the place, then also you're really inhibiting the opportunity for artificial intelligence to do its thing. Exactly. And if we have coherent integrated data sets, the power is unlimited, unlimited. You know, on the predictive modeling in healthcare, where we can look at your profile, look at your history, look at the patients who had similar profiles, the treatments that they've done, and we can predict things and come up with adaptive, personalized way of treating you versus, oh, let's try this. Oh, by the way, you ended up in the ER because your pulse goes up without knowing that it happened in 100 cases, similar cases, right? And we're capable of doing that. You know, we, for example, develop an algorithm that can take data from wearable, from MR, from patient-reported data profile, and predict heart attack before it happens. And you know that seconds matter, right? Minutes matter. And we can do that. But we have to develop everything in a smart way that will get us to the goal where we can create those personalized adaptive models that will improve outcomes and you know improve cost of care, patient experiences, everything else. 
So let me give you a use case, and I'd love to hear how you solve for it. So kind of riffing off what you just said about that we can predict a heart attack before it happens. So let's just say you've got a patient who has a wearable device, you know, like they're talking about the Apple Watches these days that can detect heart irregularities. So you've got a patient that has one of those monitors that's going on. You've got an EHR system that has information about this patient. I mean, obviously, it's got information in there, which suggests that this patient has all kinds of other various things that might suggest that they are at risk for a heart issue. How do those pieces fit together? You know what I mean? So like, say you got brought on the scene and someone said, okay, Tatiana, we've got the CHR system. We've got patients who've got wearables. How would you create a situation where we had enough semantic interoperability, you know, like data integration that an AI engine could do its thing? Like, how would you solve for this? In general, what you do, you train your algorithm on data beforehand, right? So uh, the way algorithm kicks in, like in your example, well, if there is a device that patient wears that tracks real-time data, it can look at the exception, oh my God, like something is off, right? And algorithm can immediately look at what else do I need to look at? Other similar situations where a combination of that, 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 that cause something else. How do we even know that that patient is ours? You know what I mean? Like, I'm just kind of taking this back to the basics where, because I know there's a lot of people that are in this situation where they've got their EHR system, they've got some of their patients running around on wearables. How do I even know who to be looking at here? Well, if you like asking about like how we can access patient data and that gets into another, you know, mm-hmm. kind of forms on who owns healthcare data. But in a way, I see the future that when patients have uh, any type of digital solution, Ideally, as I mentioned, integrated. So it's either, uh, it probably is chatbot and app and voice and web app. And they are integrated with EHR, with pharmacies, with devices and everything else that's needed, right? Now, but, but um, let me, let me just hold yeah. on that point for a sec because that's very easy to say. But even with this new epic, what are they called? The app orchard? You know this far better than me, but I think it takes data out of the EHR system, but you can't put data in the EHR system. I believe it's unidirectional in that regard. So how can we integrate without it being a gigantic custom programming job that's going to take 24 months? I see that uh, there are a lot of pressure for EHR companies to open up their systems. So we were able to do bi-directional interfaces with Epic, for example. Uh, now, having said that, you need to work with like local IT departments when data coming back into Epic, they need to find the placeholder, right? So they need to say, okay, here's where it goes and what shape of form. And uh, is it just informational data that will be kept for reference or they want to have it in a way they can run certain reports in Epic for that? But it's doable, meaning that if there is uh, a business requirement of data being pushed back to Epic, that, that, that is doable. In the long run, like we, for example, deploying healthcare data exchange platform and we have blockchain-enabled layer in the middle that will help to manage all the rules based on what patients are comfortable with, on how, what, 
they share, meaning that they will have consent form where they can say, this data that I gather from my mobile device or I enter in in my medications, for example, I want to be able to share with researchers who doing research on, on my type of cancer, for example. Or they can say, I want to share with my physician and uh, hopefully a physician will enable some kind of ways of getting that data back to him versus just looking at the device or checking emails. But I believe that that infrastructure where you have double-sided marketplace for healthcare data will be the future on how all those things will be conducted, even on the fly. Ideally, we would love to see some kind of ways where EMRs deployed by different organizations can talk to each other. Because in real life, you might go to, you know, one hospital for certain treatment and you come to your small clinic and they use different AMR and your AMR doesn't know that you've just been somewhere else in what you got, right? Mm -hmm. But if you have what I just told you about, then you will be able maybe to pull data from one AMR in in a cloud, in a very secure environment. And then when you come to a different place, share that. Got it. Okay. So let's just say we've got a situation where... There was some programming that was done and an EHR system can talk to an app. Do I have to do that one to one or like what's a better way if I'm if I'm a hospital organization right now and I'm thinking that I've got 10 patient apps that I would really like people to be able to use. Do I have to program 10 APIs for each app? Well, that's an issue because mm-hmm. that's why I'm against all those 10 hundreds of apps and chatbots and more like... <laughs> I know. You know that's, that's why how, I that's asked how, you that question. That's how, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> because, uh, and it's not just APIs. Mm-hmm. Think about content. Like if there is update on the content and you need to go to five different places update this content that will never happen so what's the way to do this like what's and i know this is a very leading question because you are in fact the ceo of open health network but tell us what you think a better answer might be you know i'm trying to create the future because i strongly believe that that's how it's supposed to be done from any angle so what we did at open health network we created that configurable customizable environment that enables any type of healthcare organization to rapidly develop and deploy any type of digital solution, such as chatbot, voice, mobile, web, integrated with AMR and wearable devices. But it's all done rapidly, can be gradually, completely configurable, customizable, personalized to each patient with predictive modeling on the front end and big data analytics in the back end and healthcare data exchange platform. So we have all those modules where companies can pick and choose the way it was done with SAP. Let's start with this, but then we can add to it, but it all will be based on the same back end system. The data can be aggregated, patient experiences in place, Enterprise-grade, unified content management system, real-time integration with everything. So I strongly believe that's how it will all will evolve, with or without us. But we basically, that's what we've built. You've got sort of a central hub. So as long as all the apps are 
compatible with that central hub? Uh, let, let me pose this in the form of a question. Say I'm an app developer. Am I out of business or how do I interact with the open health network? Ideally, you know, we provide a framework where companies can build what they want. They don't need to know programming, though if there is something missing, they can develop that on the platform. So ideally, you take experts in their fields, whether it's cancer, diabetes, autism, pain management, addiction, those people now liberated from technology, they actually can use our platform to develop what they think is needed. Now, on the back end, we have the same data structure completely integrated. So identity management, like patient data, can be integrated in one view. So suddenly, you will be able to see cross-disease implications. Suddenly, patients can, you know, Use an integrated chatbot. Like how many chatbots now, you know, it's a buzzword, right? But how many people will use 10,000 chatbots? Imagine that you have a chatbot text messaging on your device and it will remind you, oh, by the way, your appointment is coming up and don't forget to refill your med. By the way, how are you feeling today? And it's all within, you know, the same chatbot, completely integrated experience. And then your caregiver who actually manages medications for you can open an app or go on the web, update your meds. It's all automatically updated for you on the chatbot. You don't need to do anything. And your Alexa will remind you, by the way, time to take your (laughs) aspirin, right? Mm -hmm. So that's how transparent and integrated it has to be. If someone builds on your platform, obviously they can create a many tentacled beast there. And it would sound like they only have to integrate one thing. So if I'm a hospital uh, or provider organization, it would be a whole lot easier to integrate with one entity. And once I get that interface programmed with my EHR, for example, then I can do all kinds of things on the open health network. I can program as many chatbots as I want. And if I add another chatbot, it doesn't mean I've got to go through the entire database integration all over again. Is that the advantage? You got it. One of the advantages. Yeah, yes. for sure. So, and, and again, with our content management system, imagine there are always changes about drugs and treatments and the way the process looks like now is oh my god we need to make an update how many apps have that content now let's call our developers and ask them to update content well good luck with that maybe in a month they will have time to do it right in our way within our back-end content management system we will know if you authorized as a nurse to go and update that content there is a workflow So if you made an update, if you need to get approvals, that will be approved. And boom, it's all updated across all the apps, chatbots, everything. And you don't need to wait until developers have time to actually do it. How does this work from, as you mentioned, the nurse can go in and and update this content? So I need no technical know-how. It's kind of like, you know, a GUI. Yeah, think about WordPress. Like you can go and create your website Mm -hmm. using WordPress, right? You don't need to know how to do programming, right? So in our case, you will just open a module that has uh, information about the treatment or lesson or assessment or survey. 
You can add new survey without writing single line of code. More than that, you can apply complete personalization saying, okay, if it's a woman or a 40 has this symptom, don't ask this question. And all of that without writing single line of code. I would think, though, that you'd still need from the organizational standpoint what it doesn't do. And I'm not saying that it should, but I, I'm just a common misperception is that if you can have access to technology that suddenly all problems are solved, you'd still need a content strategy. You would still need to make sure you had data governance. You'd still need to make sure that what we were working on here, that the content that was being distributed was thoughtfully and meaningfully prepared based on science. Yeah, absolutely. Everything has to be evidence-based and proved, and none of technologies can solve that. That's basically people in content and business processes on outside of the technology. But technology should make it easy for people who are knowledge workers and know the content. Once everything has been approved, agreed to, verified, they should be able just to get it in a timely manner. They, yeah. don't, they shouldn't be waiting for months for developers to say, oh, okay, we're in between fixing bugs. Now we can update your content. And clearly this is very different. And I mentioned this just because it was such a huge topic at Hims this year. But this is a very different product, if you will, platform than what Epic is proposing or has rolled out with their app orchard. And I think Cerner has one. I'm sure all the EHRs have something similar. Do you want to compare what they're doing there? I'm coming from patient experience point of view, right? So, and I'm all for... Epic, Cerner, and the rest of the HR providers to open up their systems and introduce things. But if you look at all of them, they have so much to do on the back end, on core of what they do, that they just can't focus on, on the front end piece that integrates with what they do. So it's not a competitive situation. It's more like easy exit for them, meaning that, you know, you can integrate if they open up and give more APIs that we can use, it will be much, much easier for them to not getting blamed for all the front-end patient-facing experiences that they just don't have time to, to address. So it gives them flexibility to improve what they do on the physician, you know, on that front and, and do it much better than it's done today. All those systems have been built a while back, so they're completely outdated to start with. Speaking of that, are there any studies or, or outcome studies or any kind of studies that were done that demonstrate how apps of this kind do in fact impact patient care value? What I can share with you on the air is, for example, I can share like certain usage data, like American Heart Association deployed the uh, the first version of the offering for people who had heart attack. The name of the app is My Cardiac Coach. So it's American Heart Association app. It's created on our platform. And if you look at the usage data, we see... 60% repeat users. We see users spending five minutes every time they use an app. And those numbers are pretty impressive for anything in, you know, digital health space. So they must be doing something right. Now, like 
just yesterday, Google introduced augmented reality-based module that has become part of the MyCardio Coach for CPR training. And it just shows the flexibility of the platform where people who have heart issues now go to one place, they can do the assessments, they can manage their medications, lifestyle, healthcare data, and now they can use advanced augmented reality-based CPR training. And it's not a separate app, it's integrated with everything else they do. Imagine adding high cholesterol, diabetes, and other conditions that will be transparent to people, but the content will be adapted to whatever they do within the same framework. I think that's a beautiful thing. Of course, people will use it. Is the data customer by customer or is the data within your system? So if you get a information about John Smith from one health system and then another health system also John Smith goes to, that John Smith's data is aggregated around John Smith or is it still siloed between organizations? The way it's done right now, every single company who is deploying our platform for enterprise digital health uh, architecture, they decide how and what is done with the data. Now, uh, as I mentioned to you, we're releasing health data exchange platform with blockchain and we have very advanced patient identity management feature within that platform. And because everything is white labeled, at the end of the day, our customers decide how they want to deploy. But we will have a feature that will enable healthcare organizations to add share button within anything. It could be within chatbot, I want to share my data, or within an app, or voice, web app. That will trigger very powerful process where patients will be able to define what data they want to share, who they want to share with, and it also is revocable. And that will bring you to your question about how we can integrate view on John Doe from different systems. So that will enable that, assuming that it's built on our platform. Though we can map and integrate with other systems, but that will involve data mapping exercise just to make sure that they can be integrated with, you know, other database schemas, if you will. Indeed. And how does this differ from, you know, another thing that came up at, at HIMSS this year, which is the alphabet announcement about this Google Cloud healthcare application programming in- interface, which allegedly is supposed to pull, and I say allegedly just simply because I don't know anything about it, um, pull data from EHR systems and other sources for machine learning purposes. Oh, that's beautiful. We can use it. So it's no conflict there. Google is in, you know, Google and Amazon, like in Apple, they're all, you know, now putting forward great uh, initiatives in healthcare. We are all for that. We can use that integrated, you know, data set that will have data from Mars systems. The, the great thing is that all of that data can be de-identified for research and, you know, analytics. So we don't need to know specifics about the patient to make use and build algorithms on that. You know, maybe you can explain, since you clearly know, what exactly are they doing there? Like, what is that initiative that they're up to? Well, I didn't look in depth into offering, but Google Cloud and, uh, you know, IBM was doing a lot of announcements yesterday and today in healthcare. They all want to get access and to large volumes of healthcare data. 
it's a big issue of having too many islands of healthcare data that not integratable, not analyzable as a mass. Because if we have massive amounts, that's where we all get benefits. So you know that government announced open APIs and interfaces, everything to make sure that data, health data can talk to each other. It can be analyzed. All of them making huge efforts in Google Cloud will, you know, uh, encourage scientists, for example, to drop not successful research data. Because we don't want, you know, to repeat the same mistakes. We do want to analyze what works, what doesn't work. We do want to see patterns on impact on some treatments for certain types of patients. So we all will benefit from all that data. And, you know, with Google efforts and all the other players, I think they provide an infrastructure. It's part, uh, uh, but healthcare organizations need to be open to release that data. And as you know, data is something that everyone is holding on to for right now. So they've built an infrastructure such that should people choose to, they can integrate their data with other data sets and have a giant data cloud in the sky. Yeah. But your concern is, will they? (laughs) It's it's a process. (laughs) Understood. So if people are interested in learning more about Open Health Network, where would you send them to get more information? The easiest is to send us email and it's contact at openhealth.cc. We also have a website. It's uh, openhealth.cc. They can Google my name, and I usually respond immediately. So Tatiana Kanzavelli, if they will Google, they will find me everywhere. I thank you so much for being on the program today. Links to everything discussed on the program today can be found at RelentlessHealthValue.com. If you visit the website, RelentlessHealthValue.com, you will also find a complete listing of all of the shows that we have published thus far with leading entrepreneurs and executives in the healthcare space today. Another cool feature is, you know, you can subscribe to the show so that every week the episode is automatically sent to you so you don't have to remember to go to the website to download it. Thanks so much for listening.